What's up, guys? Our Wrestling Podcast back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious along with Jess the Total Package, Craig the British Bulldog, the Nature Boy Joe, and Cousins Out this week, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. Can someone feed me today's topic? We're not going to do a legacy on a person, Dave. Ooh, we're going to do no. a legacy on an entire division, the WCW Cruiserweight division, the legacy <sighs> of. This is going to be so much fun. I can't wait. No. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast, or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. On social media, can you do us a solid and give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019 or on Facebook Meta at Our Wrestling Podcast. Joe, you were just talking about this before recording. Um, this was like usually the first or second hour of, of a three hour montage of Nitro or whatever. Some people watch just this, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, this was so exciting when it first, when, when it first came out, especially because, uh, it was, it was so brand new. All of the, like all these wrestlers, all these new, uh, new to us, right? And well, yeah, I mean, it was new to us. Yeah. It was new to the American yeah. audience, uh, because obviously they've been doing it in Japan and, and Mexico for years, but, uh, but this style of wrestling, uh, was uh was so was so refreshing to watch especially at the time in wcw when you had so many like all the people on top are all these aging stars the macho mans the hogans the the pipers um that seeing these new uh, this new style along with all these new wrestlers was for for the for the hardcore fan it was it was like gold it was like watching wrestling with fresh eyes yeah, I, it's I, true. I, uh, it's Craig, would you say would you say that people bought the tickets for Hogan it, and all this crap at the end, but they would get the real show in the middle? It's tough to explain kind of the impact of what the cruiserweight division was when you were watching it on Nitro each week. Like it really was a lean forward. There was such there was a lot of fluff, and even it was a social event for us, right? So Nitro was we were always over at Jess's apartment every Monday night. Uh, you were always going to have an extended long opening sem with NWO. It was always going to be a lot of fluff, a lot of filler. But when you heard like Ray's music, Malenko's music, Eddie Guerrero's music, you leaned forward and you knew you were going to get something special. And it took a while to understand why it was special. And we'll go into later when we're talking off camera about like Tanay and how they introduced it. But like uh, WWE took a lot of time to catch up to um, the impact and how cool it was watching these little guys um do what they refer to now as flippy shit, which absolutely wasn't flippy shit. It was just fantastic <laughs> technical stuff that he'd been doing in Mexico and foreign countries. It was really was like one of the best decisions Bischoff ever made and one of the best parts of Nitro. It's the part that doesn't get talked about enough with, with this stuff that Bischoff put together. They always talk about the NWO, which I know deserves credit, but this was this was the, the second best thing that he ever did. Jess has often said uh, before uh, during this time period where – um, WWF focus was always on they had the best main events they had the best packages the best main events but the undercard was sometimes a little weak where in WCW the under the the, the main event was usually weak and they had these amazing yeah. undercards with the, with the cruiserweights and all the 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 luchadors and the and the uh the Japanese yep. guys and the Jerichos and all these new guys that were just transforming the face of wrestling and like how how it was done in the ring. I mean, it wasn't it's just a like a, a, sl- a slugfest anymore. It was these incredible moves that they were doing. Let's run into the light heavyweight runs, kind of where we get started. In 1991, WCW wanted to bring something different to the table by introducing the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. And at Halloween Havoc 1991, Brian Pillman defeated Ricky Morton in a tournament final 
to crown the first WCW light heavyweight champion. I uh, can't wait to talk about Pillman um, in, in some upcoming episodes. Uh, that's going to be fun. We should do a trendsetter. Yeah, I imagine that. <laughs> I think we should, Jess. That's amazing. Morton a little dazed. Morton turns around. And on top. He's got the leg hook. And he's going to get it. Pillman wins it. Pillman wins it. And ladies and gentlemen, the winner and WCW light heavyweight champion, Brian was thinking the same thing. Pillman would feud with Jushin Thunder Liger and rose the t- sorry and would lose the title to him in December of 1991. Pillman would win the rematch at Super Bowl 2 in February of 1992. That match would be named PWI 1992 match of the year. awesome and the title would eventually be deactivated only after 11 months of it being in existence brian pillman was light years ahead of his time and we're watching his shit and then finally when they make a division here we're like okay brian pillman's really fucking good like and then jushin thunder liger comes along from new japan and we're like okay this is fucking the greatest thing we've ever seen like this blew my (laughs) mind and super brawl that match at super brawl holy shit like Holy shit, that match. Like, nobody knew. You listen to Jim Ross call it back then. Jim Ross was, like, jizzing in his pants. Like, while he's calling, he's like, my God, oh, he did a thing. Like, Jim Ross was, like, ready to go because Jim Ross was built to call action like it was real and pump excitement into the product. He had shit to do with before. Like, oh, my God, PN News. PN News. Like, how excited can you get for PN News? But then you see something. 300 pounds. Like, the light heavyweight division. Jim Ross is like, my God. This is what I was born to do. Like Jim Ross rips his shirt off and like fucking like Christmas <laughs> commentating. Like it was awesome. Like Pillman and Liger blew my mind in 1992 as a fan because I was like, oh, and we, it had been done in New Japan, you know, the whole time. We had no idea about Japanese wrestling because we didn't get it here. So like we finally saw a taste of that. And then you see Pillman meet in the middle and it just it made this delicious whatever sandwich whatever it was and we're like oh this is i want more of this so they stumbled upon this here in 91 slash 92 with the light heavyweight division and like dave said 11 months later they're like done we're done with this like ridiculous absolutely ridiculous it's an interesting pairing isn't it you wouldn't think oh pillman and liger okay let's see what happens and then they just tear the house down but uh should have seen that coming but uh, speaking of bishop let's get into that 1996 to 2001 um, <clears throat> Bischoff had already begun to purge other organizations at the end of 95 for their talent. He pulled from ECW, uh, AAA, and New Japan Pro Wrestling to build a new cruiserweight division. We didn't even their know tur- it was coming. Like, we had Guerrero. You had other people at the end of 95. Benoit, like, come yeah. back. And we had no idea. Jericho. We had Jericho no idea what Linko. he was doing. And then yeah, finally, Malenko's when he brought job. back... Yeah, when Dave's going to read on here, when he brought back the cruiserweight title, renamed the light heavyweight title, the cruiserweight title, then we really realized, oh, fuck, like he was loading up. So you can say what you want about Bischoff. Oh, it's bullshit. He just bought Hacksaw, bought Hogan, bought Savage. Yeah, he did. He did do all that. And they were past their prime. But he did it for a reason. He's like, so I'm going to I'm not going to copy 
to make stars like that. I'm going to, I'm not looking for the next Hulk Hogan. I'm going to buy Hulk Hogan. And then I'm going to buy Macho Man. And yes, in 95, they kind of flattened out. It was kind of boring. You, you, people started making little jokes like, oh, WCW is the old land. It's ex-WWE land. And they were right to a certain extent. But we didn't know. It's where the big boys played. Bischoff, yeah, it was where the Huckster, big boys baby. played. Uh, all that stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's they played so hard. And uh, so like, and but then you had Luger come back out of nowhere as a surprise on the first Nitro. And then we're like, huh? And then he started introducing these smaller guys. Then they introduced the Cruiserweight division. Then you realized, oh, we had to suffer through Conan in 95 because Conan was a liaison between the AAA talent. Then you had guys that he was bringing in from New Japan, Bischoff, you know, Starcade 95. We reviewed that all around New Japan, right? For a reason, like because he was bringing in the talent. Then in Just, the I'm, really, of I'm really angry with you right now. Why? Because you, you gave Cohen that credit for something. And I, I don't. I don't know why. That. I did that by accident. Nosotros somos vatos locos forever. But, uh, <laughs> but we and then there in the ECW, he was pulling guys like Benoit and 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 yeah. Jericho and who who Paul Heyman had the foresight in '95 to be like, I love these guys. I mean, <clears throat> Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero had endless classics in ECW, just endless. And it, it's all awesome. And Benoit jumped in there, too. I think they had a three-way that everybody talks about. And it's just amazing. And then Bischoff's like, yeah, I want all that. I want all that stuff. Like, And so we didn't re- realize we were just busy bashing him for buying the old guys. And then finally in 96, we're like, oh, I get it. Like, Bischoff had this site. And then he presents, Dave, you can read on, the Cruiserweight division, which blew all of our minds more than Pillman and Liger did years before. This is an entire yeah. division that we got to watch every week. Every week. Be- before before I read on, I want you to look at bullet point three, Jess, and I want you to tell me what that means because I'm insulted. Um, I, I, f- I feel like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, don't use that word. We don't know what it means. I'm insulted. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> look at bullet point three in that paragraph. Um, the term cruiserweight division oh, was oh. popularized in world championship wrestling when WCW president Eric Bischoff uh, reestablished the light heavyweight division as cruiserweight in 96. Um, he reactivated the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship as the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, Bischoff renamed the division because he felt light heavyweight was what, Jess? It was a pejorative term. Is that what you say? A pejorative term. What does that mean, Jess? It basically means that it became a term where you sort of belittle it. Like, in other words, light light heavyweights were less than heavyweights. So basically, Bischoff felt like, well... When you call them light heavyweights, you're automatically saying they're less than the heavyweights, so nobody's going to yeah. pay attention to it. So he, they're he just, just little guys, and yeah, he renamed yeah. it the cruiserweights. Little guys, these are little guys. Yeah, so he renamed it cruiserweights. Which in boxing, you hear, wow, cruiserweights, Ooh, that's different, right? Like you don't hear light heavyweight if if you love the heavyweight division, in other words, and then you hear light heavyweight, you're like, well, that's lighter than the heavyweight. That's not as good as the heavyweight. But if you hear cruiserweight, you're like, hmm, I like to cruise and I like weights. <laughs> So put them together and we can cruiserweight together. And that's what he did. It's a, it's a great, you know, people, again, like I said it before, it's easy to shit on Bischoff. It's easy to say, oh, well, you had all this money. But he thought about this stuff, man. That he thought about this stuff. Bischoff, like he knew Sonny Ono who linked into New Japan. He knew a lot of connections and Bischoff's like, I need, I someday 
I will need those connections. And then when all this starts, the dots start connecting, right? Then he starts going like, ah, like now I have, oh, Conan, we had him come over here. He was, okay, Conan, who do you know? I know Psychosis. I know La Parca. I know all these guys, Juventud Guerrero. I know all these guys that I could bring over from AAA. Yes, bring those guys over. And Rey Mysterio, he's this really small guy, really cool. You'll love him. Okay, cool. Bring him over. Uh, And then ECW, oh, Benoit. Benoit, oh, Benoit told me to, what, Benoit say? Uh, oh, bring Eddie Guerrero over. Oh, you like him too? Chris Jericho, I never heard of him, but bring him over too. He start bringing them all over, and then like it all just starts oh, working. And the Bischoff's him. like, that's cool. I brought you guys all over for the reason, because I'm rebranding it. It's going to be the Cruiserweight division. It's going to be a division that I'm going to push hard on our programming. On March 20th, 1996, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, Shinjiro Otani defeated Chris Benoit in a tournament final to crown the first WCW Cruiserweight and champion. real quick right there, I think that yeah. might have been the last affiliation that Benoit had with the Cruiserweight division. After that, Benoit was a horseman. He never really wrestled ever up. for the Cruiserweight title. So it's kind of funny that he was in the final for the tournament for the first ever WCW Cruiserweight champion. And that was pretty much the last time that Benoit really was ever associated with that. Even though he was the perfect size, yeah. I always found that funny that Benoit <laughs> kind of sort of yeah, kicked even- it off in a weird way, but he was just pulled from there. Even looking at the notes and watching some of the matches, I kept thinking, where's Benoit? Where, why isn't Benoit on, on this list of top 10 uh, cruiserweight matches and whatever? Yeah, because yeah, he, he got, I don't know if he graduated is the right term or whatever, but he got to, he was doing more main stage stuff. They obviously stuff. thought a lot of him, right? Yeah. For he sure. was busy jobbing to everybody else on the regular. <laughs> right. Um, less than two months later, Dean Malenko would defeat Otani for that title in an edition of WCW Worldwide. On many occasions, a cruiserweight match would appear to open a pay-per-view or live Monday Nitro. That's the best part. Love that. They do, they do the little I started, I started breaking the notes down here into the, the feuds. I cannot encompass everything in this episode. So if, if everybody wants to fill in the blank, go ahead. But there's been there was what Dave said here, the last line, on many occasions, a cruiserweight match would open a pay-per-view or live Money Nitro. And by occasionally, I mean almost every fucking week in every pay-per-view. Like, they, we got used to that. The opening and what match else, And not, what else would you do? Why would yeah, you do anything like, different? The opening match would kick it off, and we're like, oh, we would just see gems. And then they even kind of started bringing in, like, Lucha style, which was part of the cruiserweight division. And then we'd, yep. we'd have those crazy six-man Lucha tags where they'd fucking all fly over the top rope. Now, maybe it's a little bit more dancey and and too acrobat for people. But again, you had the in the cruiserweight division, you had Lucha, and then you had Japanese style, and you had light American style. And it was just kind of like, in this one division, we had all this awesomeness. Like, we, it mm-hmm. just was yeah. so amazing. That's so it's pretty good. funny. So good. Let's get into the first one that uh, Jess laid out for us as far as uh, feuds would go. Dean Malenko versus Ray Mysterio Jr. I don't, I, in my opinion, of, of all the cruiserweights, and I love them all, I think Dean might be my favorite. The man of a, you know, of a thousand holds is just incredible. Him and uh, uh, Mysterio, their feud to me defined it. Even though we talked about the groundwork, we didn't know when seeds are planted before you see the flowers that emerge from the ground, you don't really know that the seeds are planted. We just talked about that right now. But now when we started watching that flower blossom, I will never forget Malenko and Dean. Uh, their matches, uh, we were there live for one of them, Halloween Havoc 96. Um, was just, yeah. I was speechless and, and that opened the card, you know, like we talked about, and it was just like fucking phenomenal. And these, these two, uh, uh, Dave, you'll name some of the, the matches they took each other on here. Every time they wrestled, 
I was like, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. The yeah, the, the yin and the yang of Dean Malenko. Dean was kind of like, even though he's a, he was a small cruiserweight, he wrestled more of an American style that we were used to. He kept it on he the ground, this, yeah. He did the stomach buster from the top rope. He did like really like hard moves where Mysterio would like, you'd pick him up and go to powerbomb him, but then he would flip behind you and you'd never seen that before. And he'd pull you into sunset flip and you're, oh my God. Like it was just, they, they meshed so well together, these two. To me... I always think of these two when I think of WCW Cruiserweight Division, even though we're going to, there's so many other great matches and people. Oh, yeah. But Dean and Ray in the beginning uh, made me just so interested in this division. Mm-hmm. So Ray Mysterio debuted in WCW on June 16th, 1996 at the Great American Bash, challenging Dean Malenko for the WCW Cruiserweight title. Although he had lost the match, Ray and Dean just blew the American wrestling fans away with their with their results. We'd never seen anything like that before on WWF television, probably anywhere, really, until the stuff really started to kick off. We never saw it. Period. And I only cite WWF television because that was kind of the that, that was the WWF staple. was the American yeah. promotion, right? Like yeah. WCW is always struggling to catch up. We had never seen anything like that. So as hardcore WWF fans, because that's basically why we started watching wrestling, the majority of us, I think Joe introduced me to Crockett. But at the same time, we all were mesmerized by Vince and Hogan and all those guys. Uh, yeah. That's why we started watching wrestling. We had never seen anything like that on WWF television, which was the common wrestling product in the United States. Top, hooking the leg. WCW was finally giving us something that we'd never seen before. They weren't copying. They were leading the way. This is original. Showing, this is original yeah, stuff to original us, shit. right? Yeah, original stuff on, on what we've seen. Ray would finally win the title from Malenko on July 8th of 1996 on a Monday Nitro. I think this is really important to, to bring up because this is another reason why if you weren't really an NWO guy, maybe you were, you still watch the end. But you'd tune in to see if that cruiserweight match was going to go and if someone was going to take that title because you never knew. If, if it could happen on though, Nitro, Dave, it happen it, it, When you're talking about ratings wars, it made people stay. Yeah. Know? Which is important. You didn't flip. You stayed. That mm-hmm. was huge. Yes, people might tune in at the end to watch Hogan and the NWO and see what they're going to do. Yes, that is correct. But the important thing when you knew you were going up against Monday Night Raw was how, stop people from doing this. Got to stop yeah. that. How do we get people to stay on this side? Then you see the cruiserweights and people are like, well, I'm going to stay. Or they yeah. might flip for a second and be like, I don't want to watch Savio Vega versus whoever. Anybody. And I don't or, mean to rip or, or on Savio. Or a shitty promo on Raw. Yeah, yeah. I, don't or, I don't mean to rip on Savio. Or fake, fake Diesel. Yeah, I don't want to see, <laughs> I don't want to see fake Diesel yeah. against Bob Hawley. I want to see this cruiserweight match. And yeah. so you would stay. You wouldn't flip. That's the important factor that Bischoff installed in the cruiserweight division was, I want people to stay. I don't want people to flip and find us. I want them to find us and go, oh, I'm going to stay for this shit. I got to watch the entire Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio match because I will never see anything like it if I don't. Yeah. I will miss it. So, I will flip back over and watch Bob Holly, uh, you know, sunset flip, uh, Quang the Ninja, and I don't want to do that. Ray would finally win the title from Malenko on July 8th of 96, and like I said, on that Nitro, and then we talked about it. The cruise rate not only was on the map, but you started to tune in every on every Monday Nitro, and that's where they started to take over Raw and the rankings. And, of course, the NWO had a lot to do with that, but what about the first hour and a half, two hours, when you don't see the NWO the whole time? What are you doing in between, to Jess's point, to keep them there? And this is where they started to beat Vince 
and fake diesel. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's funny. Well, I mean, um, Bishop was yeah. smart enough to know that, like, it wasn't Jim Duggan that was keeping people from from switching over. Yeah, it right. was. Yeah. it was Chris Jericho. Exactly, it was right. Ray Mysterio. And this was the must see on WCW programming. Fans couldn't wait for Monday Nitro to see what the Cruiserweights would bring. I know everybody in this podcast was definitely like, "Hey, did the Cruiserweights go yet? Hey, come come back from work, going to Justice House. Hey, did the Cruiserweights were, were they already on? Did I miss them? Can we can we rewind yeah. it real quick?" <laughs> You know, that's that. That was that was that was Monday nights um, for for you guys for quite quite a while. Uh, Dean and Ray would again do battle for the title at Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety six, and they would tear the house down there. Did Ray hold that title? I think he did, right? Uh, no, Dean won it back. Dean took it back. Hey, yeah. there you go. Well, again, Malenko doing the right thing. Oh, what a power bomb! One, two, yes, yes, and it was a well deserved victory. But then Rey Mysterio would steal the spotlight. He quickly became the star of the division. I still believe it was because of the lawn dart into the truck, which well, that was, was part of it. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> that was part um, of it. I, I, it's it, it's one of those things that's in my head forever, and I'm like, he, he really hurt him. The cops are coming, right? Like that was weird. your, your natural know. like instinct is to be like, who's the biggest guy, Kevin Nash? Who's the smallest guy, Ray Mysterio? What let's if, lawn dart him into a team? What if we put chocolate and peanut butter <laughs> together? And <laughs> it, it is. It, I swear, I, I talk about it. every time there's a chance to talk about it. If, I, if I'm talking about Mysterio or I'm talking about Diesel or or Kevin Nash, I, I, I always think of the the lawn dart moment. It's it's there forever. Um, <laughs> I love it. So, um, but his much smaller size, him being Ray, not not Diesel. By the way, 26 years ago. 26 yeah. years ago, and he's still wrestling today. It's amazing. Wow. Um, he he had the ability to wrestle with anyone. Uh, Ray again, not not Kevin Nash. Cost fans to rally by his time, side. Right? <laughs> what was that, um, Joe? I know that? I was going to say, wasn't he only like twenty years old or twenty-one or something at this time, or like yeah, Drake yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. So, something, something ridiculous like that? It's insane. At Bash of the Beach '96, Ray would defeat the Psychosis. Wow, just thinking about these matches, and they would steal the show in the process. I'm shot to the lower back, and I have no idea. Look at this. Look at this. It's almost like almost a backslide. It- in certain parts of the world, it's called Splash Mountain. Other places are Niagara. Oh, but he blocked it. Again. One, two, three. Yes. A dream match between Rey Mysterio and Jushin Thunder Liger took place in WCW. I'm smiling as I read this. It just brings back so much. At Starcade of 1996, both mass wrestlers were highly respected among the best cruiserweights in the world and we're going to get to one of the best ones ever in just a second not just the best cruiserweight, and, and but i the best wanted ever. to note that too because that was like the merger right like jushin liger and brian pillman were kind of the the only two guys that really kind of got you stimulated in the light heavyweight phase in 91 92 and then here comes liger again who's again we talk about like these guys that we see in american wrestling meanwhile muda and liger and all these guys are fucking yeah. making the same legendary careers in New Japan. We just don't just now. We can see country, New Japan yeah. whenever we want because you could stream or whatever. But back here, you had to find 
Liger and Muda and all those guys, if they came over to the U.S., then you started following them. I was going to say, you need just his dad's moving satellite dish to watch that one. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of crazy that the the 1991-92 Liger comes over here in a 96 and faces Mysterio, who who is the face uh, of the WCW Cruiserweight division in a sense here. And it's just kind of amazing, like, to watch all of that just mesh together. Again, it was Bischoff's, like, relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Uh, he loved it. Bischoff loved it. And he often took trips over to Japan to watch them and just be like, what can I do? How can I do this? It's why it's how he got the original NWO storyline, by the way, is he took it from Japan. Yeah, that's right. They were doing that's two funny. promotions invading the other one. And Bischoff's like, what if I steal if I wrestlers from another promotion and have them take over WCW? And that's when the seeds got planted. It all happened. Then so you can like, argue getting yeah. the cruiserweights together is what brought on NWO. Right? I guess Bischoff was the best stealer yeah, yeah. ever. Like he stole everything, but fine. Like he Americanized all of it. And if that introduced it to us, oh, cool. I'm a better wrestling fan for it. I'm a better, more educated wrestling fan sure. for seeing Liger for seeing the cruiserweight divisions, for seeing that storyline of the invasion angle, it just changed American wrestling. And again, I, I, yeah, he did take those ideas from Japan, but that nobody had done it before. Vince quarantined himself. Vince made a bubble mm-hmm. of WWF and said, just what I want to do goes. And it worked for a long time. And the Bischoff's like, what if we burst that bubble and go outside and pull in? Let me do that. And he did it. That's why we're doing this episode as well. Because it... Yeah, he had a short, again, his flame burned bright and then it burned out quickly. However, I'm glad it burned at all because if we didn't get this cruiserweight division and this Monday Night Wars, I don't know what wrestling would be in America now. I don't know like what it would have been. It's, Queen it's Ninja really would point. be nine-time WWF champion. Sure. You know, a weird <laughs> comparison would be um, basketball in the Olympics. Um, I know that sounds really crazy, but the only reason why international ball got so much better and they actually compete with Americans now because they burst that bubble just exactly to your point. Dream team. And the dream team was the end of an era. It was the best basketball on the planet. And now international ballplayers from all over the world are taking over the NWA because of the Olympics, because they burst that buzzle, that bubble that came outside and exposed. And, And there was even an announcer that said, he's like, you know, this is great right now for America, but in a few years, these people are going to catch up. These other countries are going to catch up. And they sure did. And, and this is no different. So you start to expose. They, and they, they didn't even need it. They were already doing great things. Well, we just didn't we're, see it. We're gonna, the whole reason why I'm doing this episode is because American wrestling that we know now in 2022, uh, we'll get to it later. How is it not a derivative of the Cruiserweight division? How? It, it, it is. It's, like, a, it's, it's all of it. All it, of it, cha- it changed all the landscape of it forever. Is this. Yeah, all of it is. Even yeah, yeah. the even it was funny like and I then we, and then think. when Vince does stuff with Roman and and uh, Lesnar, people get mad because that's the formula that Vince knows, and people are like this is bullshit. I'm like this was what it was in early <laughs> '90s before we knew cruiserweight. Now you're mad now that Sammy and all those guys and KO and they're not all main events all the time. But uh, again, you got to mesh it. I hope now it, it's different now. But at the same time, I hope they find that hybrid because when they find it, it's beautiful and it blows up and it changes everything. I don't know what the answer is now, but us revisiting this here is proof that it can happen, that there can be an eruption. There can be something that happens where someone steals something or pulls something or buys something and they cram it together. And then you're like, okay, like, and it's going to (laughs) happen. That's right. Let all this happen. Let AEW crash in with fucking NBA and WWF. Let it all fucking be a clusterfuck right now. Cause something is going to come out of it. We're like, there we go. We have a cyborg. You know what I mean? 
we have a yeah. cyborg that's going to wrestle like a cruiserweight but look like Brock. I don't know. Like maybe that's going to happen. <laughs> maybe that's the next. I don't know. But this is all. We, we tried Robocop before. Just didn't work. Stop. Uh, it. Maybe I don't know, David. <laughs> I think it did. I think it worked. Nothing's off the table. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. You it obviously, it obviously did, Dave. We're still t- we're, we're still talking about it thirty two years later. <laughs> you just talked. Couple <laughs> <about> <laughs> combat, baby. I love it. But uh, we haven't even scratched the surface. With a, oh, I couldn't help but laugh a lot of times with the uh, like watching uh, some of Mysterio's matches because it made me think of uh, just talking about like how what, what's going on today, you know, with like the RKO out of nowhere. They must have said, uh, you know, a half dozen times on matches that I was watching as Ray was doing Hurricane Rana's out of nowhere because he would just yeah, catch yeah. people and it would be yeah. like, that's a Hurricane Rana out of nowhere. I'm like, well. He kind of, and that, he really you know, did that way, uh, out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it he was. was just, we one, thought it couldn't be done. One, for sure. yeah, like one, we didn't know what it, you know. We still thought it was a Frankensteiner. But I mean, like, he's not uh, even behind you, Joe, right now. He's doing it in a crazy spot right now, isn't he? Yeah, he, I there was at some point. I think it was during the psychosis match. He jumped outside and did a reverse Huracan Rana on the floor from the top. You know, for, from jumping from the top rope, and I was like, "This is unreal." There was Amazing. another one. I think I, I'm pretty I, sure know, it was psychosis. It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm watching. What, I'm just uh, like, this is awesome. <laughs> I don't remember what event it was, but he, I think I'm pretty sure it was with psychosis and psychosis. They both were on the top rope. Funny that, and they get on the top rope together, and then psychosis picks him up to power bomb him. And as he's in mid power bomb from the top rope, Ray jerks his hips and catches him in a hurricane rana and whips him over. And I was like, ah. Like I don't, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. Like that's insane. Yeah. Like it's just, it's insane. And we're, we're not even scratching the surface because now we're going to get into Ray Mysterio Jr. versus Eddie Guerrero. Um, and we know Ooh. Eddie Guerrero didn't stay at Cruiserweight forever, but these are some fantastic moments. A Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety seven. Ray Mysterio would meet Eddie Guerrero. Many people think this is the greatest WCW Cruiserweight match of all time. To the limit here. This. Is from the middle, turn back up! Oh, 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 oh. One, two, three! Yes! New champion! Wow! New champion! What a fight! What a battle! And they are standing here for this man, Ray Mysterio Jr. Actually, I think for both men. I think you're right, Shabani. This man went into that ring. Uh, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Uh, no, they would face each other multiple times with fantastic results. In late 1998, the two would be involved in a storyline where Eddie Guerrero would try and force Ray to join his group, the Latino World Order. Um, a lot of world orders going on. Um, you know, if you're trying to run the world, you can't have that many orders, but um, they had enough. You know, I don't know. This is where you're starting to get really stupid, is all I'm saying. Um, then, like, like I said, I, we could talk about that all day, um, and maybe it's for another time. Maybe, maybe we talk about Greatest Feuds with... Some of these cruiserweights, maybe those, maybe that'll come in later, just for greatest feud pieces. We can talk about yeah. that. Here's another one: <laughs> Chris Jericho versus D. Malenko. There's so much amazing stuff in this like five year run, six year or four year run. D. Malenko and Chris Jericho would start doing battle over the title in 1998. The emotion involved in the Slamboree 1998 match between Jericho and Malenko made it one of those memorable bouts in WCW history. Malenko left WCW for months after Jericho defeated him and humiliated the Malenko family. Uh, Slamboree featured a battle royal for all members of the cruiserweight division to face Jericho. That's what Joe was talking about here. Championship. This is the one. Luchador. Um, oh, my gosh. Cipotle, Cip- that- Cip- I think it's his name. Cipotle. Cip- 
So, yes. Yeah, so, okay. Apparently, so, one, yeah. that one that one's gonna wreck me. Chicole. Uh, uh, he won before I'm asking to reveal it was Malenko under the mask all along. Chipotle. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Chicole, what's he doing here? He's unmasking. He's unmasking. That's not Chicole. Look at that, Dean Malenko. He's back. The man of a thousand holes. The man that will face Jericho for the title right now. Everyone standing. Have you ever seen him with this acceleration? What Jericho said about this man, the way he's talking about his father who's passed away. They have great burritos. Uh, Dean destroyed Jericho in, in front of a red-hot crowd to finally Can I get, get more his guac? revenge. No, you can't. It's extra. It's extra. And I will never forget this slam rematch. The pop, when he took the mask off, that place popped just as big as anybody in the NWA storyline or anything like that, they went insane when Malenko took the mask off. And then Malenko mm -hmm. later on you know, would finally get his match because he won the Battle Royal, so he got to face Jericho, and he beat the shit out of Jericho and won the Cruiserweight title, and the place popped even bigger. Like, it was, again, yeah. in this Cruiserweight division that you think of, like, a, as a secondary throwaway against the NWO was Some just people thought hot it was, as it was, fuck. Like, yeah, it was, it was the awesome. He's trying to make it three feet away. Less than three he's feet. So close. Two feet. He's a foot away. He can pull back. He can't make it. He can't make it. How much longer can he withstand that pain? And that hurts, is it? Not much longer. Malenko wins the title. We've got a new champion. The world's toughest punk and just did it. It's redemption for Dean Malenko. And I'll tell you, um, just a little side note. I love Dean Malenko. I think, like I said, he's my favorite cruiserweight. And there's, and I love almost every single cruiserweight that we're talking about. I just wonder if he was a little bit better on the mic, what he could have been and what, what could have happened with, with Dean. He, he achieved so much with very little to do with, with, uh, with any kind of interview savvy skills. And just all talent, man. All talent. And the emotion was there when you, get to, when you got to the ring. You saw that. Like he could, he could perform in there and he could definitely work in there. But... I always wonder if he had every single tool, what would have happened. I the guy's incredible. You know, I just what what a what a performer. Then the WWF tries to fight back. On December 7th of 1997, the WWF will crown a new light heavyweight champion and Taka Michinoku, but the division failed to have the same impact as the WCW cruiserweight division was pushed into the background soon after. And unfortunately, the end of an era comes to us. In 1999, WCW began to lose focus on the division, and that's ridiculous. Probably a big part of their downfall. They attempted to launch stars like Guerrero, Malenko, Jericho, and Mysterio into the regular part of the card. But by doing so, they re relied on the second wave of WCW cruiserweights like Juventud, Psychosis, La Barca to carry the cruiserweight division. Without the proper development and focusing more on entertainment, Rather than the athletic ability that made the division popular in the first place, it began to fade into the background until WCW was purchased in 2001. My big thing what they would do is people would <clears throat> clamor, even people in the locker room, push these guys, push these guys. So they would do it, right? But what we meant was push these guys against Hogan, Hall, Nash, Goldberg, yeah, DDP, Flair, They didn't Sting, allow them to Luger. really take over. So instead, they go, okay, that's fine. And Dave, right behind you is a perfect example. Dean has the U.S. title on his shoulder. Who did Dean feud with? 
when he was U.S. champion. Probably Jericho, probably Benoit, probably it was the you know same what I mean? Stuff. Like the same yeah. fucking people that like he could, they all feuded with or whatever. So they pushed him outside. Jericho would face Prince Ikea, uh, Ultimo Dragon for the TV title. So you know, and because well, Jericho was TV champion for a while. And be real, like, Jess, you, you push you, him but against Jess, the you same know, guys. Like, but you know why this happened. Well, yeah, some, yeah. Some assholes had creative control. They it, totally, in their totally true. They and that, and you think Hogan's like, exactly. oh, you, you want me to wrestle Jericho tonight? That's not going to work for me, brother. Exactly. You're right. You're 100 percent right. You know, it's like we, we wanted these guys pushed because, OK, they proved that this style of wrestling can garner a lot of attention. So instead, they're like, yeah, we'll push you with each other. For the U.S. title or for that's the team title, like, that's works, not man. what we talked about. Like, we want you to push <laughs> these guys against Hogan, Hall, Nash, again, Flair, Stink, Luger, Macho huh, man. all those guys. Yeah. yeah, Jeff Jarrett, Macho Man, like all those guys outside on the outside. Why didn't they do that? Because they didn't have the Ford. They couldn't do it. Like Bischoff just didn't well, see it that way. He didn't. Part of nope. it too is that those guys, those guys couldn't have been. Those guys wouldn't have been able to keep a to carry a match of this style. No, they like, would have ran circles like, around Eddie, them. Like, well, Jericho and Eddie Guerrero would have had to modify the style to Luger because no way Luger was going to be able to like bump for them in the way that they were going to need to be bumped. That's you what would have like, been so you're great, totally, You're totally right, but at the same time, you're you're right, Joe. But, like, but, okay, you put five guys up there that you want and maybe one or two guys will figure out how to take on Luger and make it work and sting true. and make true, it true, work true. whatever. That's how you make stars. I'm not saying every cruiserweight that that went outside should have made it. You're gonna they're all gonna fall off, right? Not everybody's right. gonna fucking qualify. Well, obviously we, and obviously we saw that like title, like yeah. Guerrero Benoit obviously saw right. like exactly yeah, Jericho, my point. Saw, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um you know success uh on the main event on the main event roster wrestling guys that were of different styles. But yeah. Sure. yeah for sure. Yeah. With the pop, with the popularity of the division in the mainstream, smaller people aspire to become professional wrestlers. Indie promotions like Ring of Honor and Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, one of our personal favorites, would embrace this type of performer, and it became normal in the industry. Stars like Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Rey Mysterio, and Eddie Guerrero all went on to become a version of a WWE heavyweight champion. Some even headlining WrestleManias. Today, evidence of WCW cruiserweight divisions are absolutely everywhere. For a division that was hidden in the shadow of giants, it found a way to influence the entire wrestling industry. Who's the best wrestler right now, you think? Active wrestler right now. Who I would say it? Daniel Bryan. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, Kenny he wouldn't Omega. even be here. He wouldn't yeah. even Kenny be Omega. here if not for the style. There's no way. There's no way. I mean, it's, neither of the guys, guys like... Like all of the, you know, all of the NXT guys that came out, like they were all, everybody's, I mean, even, even non-NXT guys, everybody seems to be influenced by this, by this style. This yeah. Craig, you've, been, uh, style. you've been very quiet and I've been noticing that. Uh, and the only reason why I call you out is because Craig was a massive Rey Mysterio fan. I remember when Rey Mysterio started lighting the world on fire on the WCW Cruise. Craig every week was like, is Mysterio wrestling? Is Mysterio wrestling? Craig really liked back Rey Mysterio, and rightfully so. Um, how, I how like Malenko, not? like Dave said. I like Malenko. I like Jericho. And I like I liked, I liked Mysterio, but Craig was very like into Mysterio. He just uh, loved him like with what he did. Yeah, there was something about um, the way he varied his tights. Uh, the mask. There's just so much you could do. Like it all, not it all takes a nod in the Mexican culture of lucha, um, and the costumes and the symbolism behind the mask and that kind of stuff. But there's so much you could do. 
and watching that dude um who I think started when he was 16 and he was just it was just unlike anything you'd ever seen watching Ray wrestle and then when you began to see and appreciate him versus Malenko um and they it wasn't just flippy shit it was stiff him and Malenko and Jess said it earlier yeah. that stomach buster he retired that because I think people died from that stomach buster <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but like you were introduced to Psychosis and Hoovy and Jericho and Eddie and thank God for taking a chance. And it's led to today in 2022 where the smaller guys kind of still rule like Rollins style, Daniel Bryan. Um, yeah. Uh, you can also fight Adam, too. Adam Is Cole, that the best like, thing though? Like then you push guys like Lesnar and Roman and you're like, yeah, they garner all the mainstream and they might. But if you push them. If you push these smaller guys the way you push a Lesnar and a whatever, can you get the same result? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but obviously this style has infected in a good way we did. We all did. of today's wrestling. I, I, I refer back to Daniel Bryan. It worked. We did. Well, yeah. well look at Seth, right? There, yeah, you're yeah. right, and that's a good point, Dave. You have guys like Jericho and Daniel Bryan that make you forget how small they are. Benoit made you forget. Didn't matter. Bret Hart. And you know who never let them forget how small they are and why it wouldn't work was Vince. Like, and yeah, yeah. from what he did, like, look at how small and diminutive and Sean, tiny. Sean Michaels Takam, is small. Taka Michinoku, that was his who he put on light heavyweight, not a muscle on his body. He worked his ass off, but it just was absolutely not the same. It was not the same quality. Because um, Vince didn't and, push uh, it. No. Well, let's be real. Why? Why he did Mysterio put on it. so much? Why did Mysterio put on so much weight for a title run? Right. Try, yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Both the up, for sure. But just to give us a little treat here, he gave us the top 10 best WCW Cruiserweight matches ever listed by thesportster.com. We'll give them a little plug if they still exist. Um, number 10, Rey Mysterio versus Jushin Thunder Liger at WCW Starcade 1996. Number nine, three count versus I gotta say, June Dragons because Jung Dragons. Oh my God, this match I, was so fucking good. Because if I said good. Hung Dragons, you would have been really upset. Um, <laughs> and I said it anyway at WCW Star K2000. This was a good one, Jess. So good. God damn it. Yeah. Got to go back and check these out. Uh, I think I think getting the network alone just for these matches would be worth it. Um, number eight, Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio at WCW Halloween Havoc of 1996. Number seven, Billy Kidman. There's. You forget about him. <laughs> and Rey Mysterio versus Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo at WCW Greed 2001. Oh, that Number. is old. That is like towards yeah. the end. I can't believe it. He caught him from the Asahi Moonsault. The strength of Romeo after a match like that, almost 20 minutes of non-stop action, he still had the wherewithal and the power to catch Ray Jr. from the Asai Moonsault. There are your new Cruiserweight Tag Team Champions. Towards the end, right but it was the for end. the WCW Cruiserweight Tag Team Championship, which they introduced for like five That's minutes. right. We talked about yeah. the Forgotten Championships in our archives. Forgotten that's Champions, one yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, that's in the archives. Uh Number six, Chris Jericho versus the Ultimate Dragon, WCW Bash of the Beach, nineteen ninety seven. I'm gonna go back and watch all these later when this podcast is over. Number five, Rey Mysterio versus Billy Kibben versus Juventud Guerrera at WCW Starcade, nineteen ninety eight. Number four, Juventud Guerrera versus Blitzkrieg at WCW Spring Stampede. What was the last one? I watched, I watched that last night. Jesus Who Christ! Who is Blitzkrieg? Juventud catches it. Not a Hoovy. Hoovy. Oh! Oh! 
He's not going anyplace. Super Hoobie driver off the top. Uh-uh, he's not going anyplace. One, two, and three. Wow. You're right, Brain. What a way to kick off Spring Stampede. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I could probably go, <laughs> go online and look at it. I have no idea who it was, but good God, that match was so good. He was good. At Stampede 1999, Dean Malenko versus Chris Jericho at Slamboree 1998. Number two, Ray Mysterio versus Psychosis at Bash on the Beach of 96. Number one, with a bang, Ray Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc in 97. Uh, Jess and Craig, I believe at least you two were there for that one, right? Yeah, we were. Were we there for, never, there for the 96 one, too? Yeah, we were yeah, there for 96. Were. I'll never forget. We got spoiled. <laughs> Absolutely spoiled. Ridiculous. <laughs> so To see Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio and then Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio back-to-back years on Halloween Havocs, like two of the greatest Cruiserweight matches ever. Jesus Christ. Yeah, not to get too into it. And then you would see them after in the hotel at the uh, Betty Boo Bar, as they talked yep. about Yep, <laughs> every year. Super cool. Um, Craig... What's what's your what's your favorite on this list, man? Uh, it all kind of mixes all together to me. Um, but it's a mix uh, of greatness. Yeah, but I was I think Eddie Ray Mysterio's music kicks in for me when I think of the cruiserweights and that entrance down the the walkway. Same with Malenko's music and his twisting of the thing. I think those those two guys, <laughs> Malenko, man, that's what he did. They, um, they, they the will best. forever be in my is, memory. It just, like it works. He couldn't promo, but it Psych- didn't matter. Psychosis he could not was talk. great. Hooventude was great, but like Malenko and Mysterio to me, like yeah. I just I remember them like fondly. They're pretty talking about everything they did. Mysterio's still going, and Jushin Thunder Liger just retired. What a few years ago? Yeah, we saw him ago. at New Japan Pro Wrestling in Long Beach. Um, yeah. and he I think he was what they said he was fifty two wrestling at that time. Uh, and he just Maybe. started his year goodbye. He was taking one year to say goodbye. And he yeah, and I was like, this guy's still going. How old is he? And some guy like two rows down, dude, he's like fifty two, bro. I was like, are you serious? And he was still like, you didn't notice. Like the guy was amazing. Um, so it's just fantastic stuff. Joe, you got a favorite on this list? I watched. Uh, I watched a handful of stuff last night. I mean that. Uh, I. I the the Eddie the Eddie Mysterio it deserves to be at the top of that list for sure yeah um and I crazy. and I loved I loved Malenko and Jericho I thought that was unreal that was an unreal match so good stuff Jess any last words on this one before we send it out no I just I wanted to change this instead of doing a, a single wrestler legacy I mean this whole division literally defined the whole generation afterwards, you know, ring of honor and PWG erupted because finally, Oh my God. You mean there's a, there's a, a niche audience out there that loves actual wrestling, like actual the, and the progression of what the sports becoming. Like, I, I just think that this is, this division is so fucking important and it's, it's understated. Nobody talks about it anymore. And I'm like, it's what you watch now. Like, uh, yeah, I, I it, until until you brought up the topic, Jess, I didn't realize, and I started to think about it. And I was like, "This is everything now. This what we're talking about. What is is the foundation of everything you're seeing today?" Without the exposure that Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, and Rey Mysterio got from here, I don't know if they achieved the success in WWF that they got. Like, what? We how valuable would it would have they have been? You know, Vince wanted the most valuable people after WCW was bought to pull in like after a while and like Jericho, I know left before. So did Benoit before WCB folded, they came over, but still like it was off of that 
And even though Benoit, we established earlier, wasn't really part of the cruiserweight division, but he was a small guy. He was a smaller guy. Mm-hmm. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast, or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. On social media, could you do us a solid and give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWB2019 or on Facebook Meta at Our Wrestling Podcast. For Craig, Jess, and Joe, this is Dave with the OWP signing off. Have a good one.